Welcome to episode 21 of Mike and Kristen. Forever 21. Woo, that's a store, isn't it? It is, but I think it's also an emotion that you realize when you're middle age that you're actually in your mind forever stuck in your youth. It's a store I never went into, but a feeling I can relate to well. There you go. Maybe that's their tagline or... Well, a store you shouldn't come into. But... <laughs> no, you've never been in. Well, think... Yeah. Anyways. Today on the show, we have the youngest podcast guest of all time. On our show. Yeah. So far. Jackson Weldon. What a great young man. He lives in our subdivision. He's a musician, talented singer. Talented performer. He's a great songwriter. He's uh, going to be releasing music coming up. It was just a pleasure chatting with him. I'm so impressed with him. He was kind and articulate. His self awareness for such a young age just yeah. blows my mind. I feel like he's a real friend now. Yeah, he's he's uh, a lot of youthful and. and and energy there is really inspiring. Yeah. We were really excited to interview Jackson, not just because of his talent, but getting that youth perspective. So when you hit middle age like we are now, you start to reflect on what it was like to have that kind of dream-like future motivated aspiration, you know? Like you're you're looking back on your life and thinking about where you started and where you are and Especially you're just coming from uh, recently playing with your old band. 20-year band reunion. Yeah. Which is crazy. So yeah. you would have been his age, really. More or less, Starting yeah. out in that band. So, yeah. yeah, things kind of come full circle when you hit your late 30s and 40s. And so it was, it was such a pleasure to kind of relive through him some of that emotion and excitement and newness of just starting out in your career. But I... I just can't say enough about his courage and bravery to be pursuing a, an off the beaten track kind of life, but he's so confident and driven and you can tell that his work ethic will take him wherever he dreams yeah, he to go. He finished high school a month ago. Like, yeah. He's doing good. He's doing great. Uh, we're excited to see where it takes him. And for us, we have a show tonight. Yeah, we do. In well, this afternoon. So, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's afternoon. Yeah, we've got a show this afternoon. I'm live painting and Mike is singing and then we're doing it all over again tomorrow in the evening in Sydney. Yeah, so back-to-back ah. shows, Shetty Camp, Sydney, music, live art, and we are very excited for these. Yeah, and then on the weekend we're going to spend some time with our dear friends that we absolutely love at what we call The Boathouse, which is an annual show that you play. And I, yeah, I don't want to get too personal with, with folks that, last, uh, last time we played it, the sun was setting behind us on the Bredora Lakes. We were playing, I forget which song we we're in, but like an eagle flew by and everyone, everyone being the 12 people inside who fit in there were, it was perfect. It's, it's always yeah. perfect. But, uh, yeah, let's get into this conversation with Jackson because it's awesome. And he's, uh. Great young man and really excited to see where his career takes him. Sounds great. Let's do it. Woo. You know, 
taking from somebody else, but I think that's kind of how it always goes. You take influences from people and you're, find your own voice type you're thing. You're a product of your influences, bud. Exactly, exactly. Can't be, there's no such as thing as uh, 100% unique. That, right? I, I completely agree. I think that's what made the Beatles, like, what they were, because, like, I still hear, will, like, hear a Beatles song. Like, even, like, something like Here Comes the Sun. Like, now you hear that on the radio and you're like, okay, pop song, pop rock, whatever. But you have to think, like, before that, there was, like, Elvis Presley, like, Hound Dog, stuff like that. Hound Dog and Here Comes the Sun is two different worlds. Like, I have no idea how, like, you're influenced by that kind of music and come out with, you know, Here Comes the Sun. I think, like... (laughs) they would have been listening to a lot of other things and there's four members in the band, right? Yeah. So everyone's bringing their own separate pile of influences together to bring to their instrument or their voice or whatever. And then those all merge together to create what they were. Just like an amalgamation of different like elements from everything. Exactly. But then the final product, like no one can really trace it back to where it came from. Yeah, for sure. And that's... The perfect crime. <laughs> every every band or yeah, a group of people that are creating something together all brings their own their own selves to it and what what creates that individual unique person is yeah, just their influences, their life experiences, their parents, their sibling, like so many things come into a person's art. I, I- yeah, I, I completely agree. I think even, like, when I write songs, like, sometimes, like, I feel like I've written a fair bit of songs. It's all relative to how many, you know, other people have written, I suppose. But I can hear, like, oh, yeah, that sounds like something I would write. But then sometimes, like, you just write something, and it's like, that's new. Don't know where where that kind of... Even just if it's something as simple as, like, a melody line, it's like, I don't know what that influence came from. But then I think, like you know, I'll be like, oh, that kind of sounds like Grateful Dead. Why would that be? I don't listen mm-hmm. to a lot of Grateful Dead, but I always think like, you know, at like seven years old, like can go out on the back deck or, or wherever. And like my dad has like Grateful Dead playing like Franklin's Tower, you know, Ripple, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And it's just like, I always wonder like at that young age, like brains developing so quickly. I wonder if like at that time I didn't know like, oh, I want to be a musician, but you still internalize these things. Like, and if that's the only music you listen to, like, it really, I think it reflects, like, even 10 years down the line. How much of that experience, going back to childhood, was it about how it made you feel? Or how, how does that factor into songwriting now? When you, like, how, how it made me feel, like, the music I was listening to? Yeah, because I think there's one thing to say I'm influenced by this style, because that, to me, sounds more like a technical thing. So it sounds this way, or yeah, my yeah. style is this way, but there's something to be said for how art or music in general makes somebody feel. Do you remember what it was like at a young age, how that factored in or influenced you? When I was, like, super, super young, so, like, you know, like, five, six, seven, I didn't have any idea of, like, what was really going on in terms of, like, you know, hear a song, no idea who the artist is or the band. Just know I like that song. Not even song titles, just, like, oh, I like that melody. But at the time, it wouldn't have been... Like, I wouldn't have known, oh, I like that melody. Do you know mm. what I mean? It, it was just kind think, of a... I think that's when it all comes down to feel. Like, it, it makes you feel a certain way. Yeah, ex- exactly. And I remember, like, at around 12, I was, like, 
I always had loved John Mayer. Always. He was like my guy. Yeah. And uh, I, I was originally born in Alabama, and we got out of there when I was like six years old and, and moved here. But every like summer we would go back and visit, and my cousin, you know, so like visit one summer, go through the whole school year, come back, see everybody again, it's great. And I remember visiting, my cousin was like, what I thought at the time, like guitar god, like, but he only started learning like when we had gone back to Canada. And he was like, man, it's really not that hard like to learn to learn music and you should really try it out. And like, I've been learning this John Mayer, like In the Blood, I think the song was, or like Love on the Weekend, something like that. And it was like, I thought it was just fantastic. And I, it probably was not that great at the time, but for somebody who's like, you're not really paying attention to, or are you fretting the notes properly, whatever the case is. He just, he just played and it was awesome. And then he was like, yeah, there's this Canadian kid, Sean Mendez. And I remember when like Sean Mendez was like, not Sean Mendez, like, but John Mayer was like, kind of, kind of supporting him, I guess. He was like posting him all around. And I didn't, I'd heard of Sean Mendez through Vaughn, stuff like that. And then I like, went down that path with Sean Mendez. And then Sean Mendez loves Ed Sheeran. Once I found Ed Sheeran, it was like, the gates are open. Cause he was kind of the first artist to like, just say like, it's okay to be shit. <laughs> like you just have to work at it, you know? And I thought that was like fantastic. Cause so many people, I feel like have the misconception about music where like they, they'll hear a voice and be like, what a voice, like what, how talented are you? Whatever. But it's like, you should really hear it five years ago, you know, six oh. years ago. Like it was not, not good. You know? Um, I think that's a common misconception about, about music. Well, yeah. To, to see, the end product of something on stage is thousands of hours of work and just learning and trials and tribulation. And then someone sees you perform a song, like they have no idea what you've actually gone through to get to that point. And like, like anything like a carpenter who can build a house, like they, would have spent they would have went to school they would have learned they built a birdhouse first they built a birdhouse then they built a dog house and then they <laughs> built a little clubhouse then they built a real house yeah and yeah. Uh, with a musician creating a song like most people don't sit down and have a fully formed crafted song the first time they sit down they're figuring out a lot of things yeah. like how do I hold my fingers on the frets? Exactly. And it's, it's just that, like it's so many variables and that's just practicing music. Like I feel like when it comes to like, okay, it's a difference between doing covers because that's the groundwork's already there for you. You can go on YouTube nowadays, any song you want, somebody will teach you how to do it. But when it comes to like writing your own material, there is no, this is so cliche, but there's no, there's no rules. It's just like you were saying, like do what makes you feel good, you know, and, and you do that. I feel like for a long time before you ever feel like this is worth playing. Like you actually like a song that you've written. When you know? did you start writing your own music? Um, well, I got really into Ed Sheeran and he was a big advocator for, for writing your own stuff, but I never got around to it in the first couple of years. I was just more like at least learn how to play some cowboy chords type of stuff. And uh, then I went busking, and that was like a whole load of experiences. And I remember thinking, like, I should really write this down. And I was like, oh, I should just write a song. And I think the first song I ever wrote 
I don't remember what it was called, but I remember writing it on the boardwalk mm. uh, in Halifax. And then that kind of just was like, oh, this is something you can just do. Because I just thought, like, I don't want to write anything bad, but no one has to see it. You know, and I know that sounds so simple now, but when you get in your own head about it, you're, like, very protective of what you've written. Yeah. Um, and I just, from there, I just w- was writing a lot. And he, Ed Sheeran kind of has this analogy about, you know, a sink at an old house. And, like, sometimes you go in and, like, turn on the sink and it spews out, like, shit water for, for however long. But then eventually, clean water starts to flow. Mm-hmm. He's like, that is songwriting. Like, don't show, you know, your first 100 songs to anyone, you know, unless you want to. But yeah. keep that to yourself. And eventually, like, you'll write a song one day. And, you know, it won't be the greatest thing known to man, but it's like, that's actually a passable song. You know what I mean? I think when that starts to happen, it's a great feeling. That's such an important lesson to keep close to your heart as you progress in your career, because it becomes so easy to find your comfort zone or something that your audience responds to and you want to stay there. Like, yeah. oh, this is, I, I feel good here. I feel seen here and understood. And I guess we have different seasons of creativity, but... I love to hear that you're kind of, you have that awareness already. Like it's important to experiment. Not everything has to be perfect. Yeah. Like uh, that's like the whole, the whole motto. Mm. Like it, I don't, I don't really relate yet to being like, what does my audience want to hear? Like, I feel like that might be like second album troubles or third project, whatever the case may be. (laughs) Um, I can't even imagine the pressure of that. Like, cause you have an album or whatever, you put something out. I'm sure you know all about this. And it's like, people really respond to it and they, and they love it. And then it's like, you know, that time will pass, but it's time for new music. And everyone, everyone just wants a recreation of that album that they first heard. Um, but it's just not doable. It's really not doable. No matter what, like time passes, you change in ways that are maybe conscious or subconscious. And you end up making music that sounds a bit different. And I can't even imagine like trying to like be in a studio and work within the confines of like, what does my audience want to hear? How would you even, I I don't know how you'd write. Like, I feel like writing is so like just you in a room or maybe another writer. You know what I mean? Well, and this is what's so beautiful speaking with someone who's early on in their career because that's something I don't know Mike if you feel this way but I very much face that as a painter in that this is what my audience buys and likes and appreciates and almost expects of me or this is how I feel so it makes it harder to experiment with something new because like I might want this but then what so yeah because because it really is like when you when you're doing something one that you love of course but that is also like a like it's the thing that sustains you it, i feel like and i'm like just toying with the idea of this at like moving out and having to pay for car insurance or mm-hmm. you know rent or whatever like you do kind of fall into that like w- that odd relationship between the two cuz you love what you're doing but it's also like i have to make this appealing to whatever demographic because that's the people who pay for me to love what I'm doing. Yeah. So it's an interesting loop. I think I haven't had that with as much of like creating things, mm-hmm. um, music, but even with like gigs at 
you know, whatever bar or restaurant, it's like, well, I don't really want to play Wagon Wheel for the 200th time, but this crowd really wants to hear Wagon Wheel. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and it's like, or Brown Eyed Girl or American <laughs> Pie or whatever the case may be. Uh, like, oh, I want to try this new original, but the crowd's really into it right now. I should probably just stick to what I know. And that's always like a, uh, but I wish I could have played the original. Well, the, the thing, you said that analogy that uh, Ed Sheeran uh, spoke about with the the sink and the, the dirty water. Now, he's just talking about songwriting in that that aspect, but to be a entertainer, a performer, and being out there making your living as a musician, there's many different components to it, and every part of it, you have to kind of go through that together, right? Like, there's learning how to be a performer. There's learning how to, you're working by yourself right now. You don't have a manager or an agent. So you have to learn how to contact people. You were talking about earlier, just before the conversation about, oh, yeah. about uh, emailing people and trying to figure out that, uh, that little realm of things. So all these things, performing, like engaging with the audience while you're on stage, uh, creating business cards another yeah, thing we talked yeah. about like these are all little things you you're you're learning you're in the process of figuring out so i think when you're thinking ahead to like the audience that you you have to kind of please based on the albums that you you'll put out i think a lot of that just comes with experience and just knowing what you want to do yourself so I think at this stage you're you're in the process of figuring all this stuff out. You're in the process of finding out who you are for your first album. Yeah. And that's a that's a very special phase to be in. Yeah, I've heard well two things on that. I I guess like that's one of the things that you also just learn through doing it cuz there really is no rule book. It's like you think oh, I'm just going to do gigs and the pieces will fall into place. And to a point they do, but you also have to think of like, it is those variables. It's like, okay, well, you might be a great performer. Do you write songs? No, I, I only do covers. That limits you to a select circuit. Even if it's just Halifax, yeah. like Lower Deck doesn't want people to come up and do a set three hours of all originals, you know, unless it's like high, high demand, I suppose, for something like that. Uh, and even like, the 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 nitty gritty of it like online stuff I I can't stand doing that like I I don't like being on Instagram TikTok all that stuff I don't like the okay I have to post this video now because it'll grow a following you know I know that's I know it's essential to do it's important to be doing and present on that but I don't know that's one of those things that it's kind of like emails for me like not a big not a big fan of that what is it because it's impersonal or what is it about those outlets that kind of turned you off from it? I. That's a good question. I, <laughs> I've never really thought about it super, super deeply. I just feel like there's something about a live show, like people coming out to a live show and like that's, you know, the three hour thing is, is the performance. That's so you're so connected with the audience, even if they're not necessarily super into it or engaged with it. Like you are there, you know, it's all laid out on the table. 
mom jacks and this is what I do. But when you record a video, like you sit in your room and you record, it's like, oh, I look weird in that or voice doesn't sound quite right in that. And you just, I think it might be a perfectionist thing a bit creeping in, but uh, I don't know. There's just something about, and I, and I, I also don't like, you know, having to like put hashtags on everything to like try to get it more seen like hashtag music hashtag acoustic cover stuff like that i know it's important but it's like i don't know and tiktok don't even, is just a whole other ballpark I, I just don't like being on tiktok i just we're not familiar with the tiktok uh, world ourselves we certainly know it's out there but haven't ventured in that platform yet i don't yeah i feel like i shouldn't be i don't want to rag on tiktok nothing wrong with tiktok i i feel like it's definitely a place for like the one thing about TikTok that I think is amazing, amazing for people starting out is like, there is no, you're the biggest person on the platform and everyone watches your videos. It's like the thing that's beautiful about it is you can be absolutely no followers, nobody into it. And then the algorithm just blows up a video and it's not based on who you are. It's just mm. a very, it's just a very random thing. I think that's nice because it's not filtered to only like the higher echelons of tiktok you, you know it's it's just like it could be any creator anywhere and that's one thing I, I like about it but other than that i don't know it's just not for me it's just not for me how would you say people in your generation are finding music oh my well tiktok 100 percent. okay 100 percent. i i've always like been fascinated with the charts whether that's like official like the uk charts or Billboard Hot 100, stuff mm -hmm. like that. Okay. And now in, like, streaming era, all that is heavily influenced by, like, what are the Apple Music charts? What's the Spotify charts? And so I'll, like, once a week or twice a week, just, like, go on Apple Music Top 100. And it's, like, really... I remember starting to see a trend a few years back of, like, oh, that's a song that blew up on TikTok in the Apple Music chart. Then a year goes by, oh, that's two songs from TikTok. And now I look at the chart and it's like, if it's not, if the song isn't blown up on TikTok, even from like major label artists, like if Ed Sheeran puts out something now and it doesn't have its moment on TikTok, it doesn't really chart. Wow. It, uh, I had no idea. I, well, I, sh it, I shouldn't, maybe it's not that extreme. Like, you know, if Adele can put something that, out. You've made that linkage of yeah, the relationship. Like, TikTok has like, so much influence over everything now it's and it's that's what i was saying it's nice about it. it's fair game because it's like millions of videos being put up every day so it's like it actually does have to be quite good to to chart or to go viral you know that's uh something i did not know i know that tiktok is run by the chinese government and they are <laughs> stealing our information so there's a lot of people actually encourage people not to use tiktok because of that yeah which is uh i, I don't really care what are they gonna do i that's been my kind of idea about it. it's like what are you gonna steal from me like i understand yeah. if i had something to hide like maybe i wouldn't be on there but it's like yeah, it's nice to be boring sometimes yeah uh, yeah well <laughs> I don't think they're going to find much from someone living in Halliburton Hills, you know. <laughs> so uh, The Beverly Hills of Canada. Yeah, exactly. So this past weekend, I went home and reunited with my old band to play a couple songs at a, at a big dance. There's like a thousand people out or something. We just played three songs and I realized in that moment that 
that was 20 years ago that I stepped on stage with that band and started my career as a professional musician. And you are now at the very start of your career. You're just getting your feet wet in the world of making your living as a musician. And I stood on stage playing those songs and I was like, Jesus, a lot has happened in the last 20 years. And I still don't know what else will happen. It's, and mainly, it's all mainly been good things. Like a lot of great things have come into my life because of it. Uh, Kristen, for example, is someone who came into my life because <laughs> I play music. Mm-hmm. And yeah, everything, everything I have in my life is essentially from music. Um, you are at the very start of your career. What... What do you think is going to happen and what do you hope is going to happen? That's one of those things that's rather unpredictable. Like I know. (laughs) Sure is. I know I can work hard at it and that's about it. You know, I think like so many people, especially at this age, like, you know, finish up high school and then it's the direct course. Like, well, go to university, get your degree. Then you can get a job and that pays for whatever, blah, 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 blah. But the main focus is never like, what do you, what makes you happy? Um, and I think to be lucky enough to have found like, okay, I know this makes me happy. I know it's something that is a plausible, you know, dream to have, like be a musician. And you're good at it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's just, I don't know. I think. I definitely have goals, like things like like small term goals, but uh, I just really want to work as hard as I can because I feel like I owe that to to whatever uh, it may be. You know, if you if you found something that you love and you're lucky enough to have that gift, like you really should work your ass off for it. I think that's kind of how I've viewed it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's kind of exactly how I felt when I started and. Maybe you're probably a little more realistic than uh, we were back then. We were like five years, or no, three years. We're gonna be playing stadiums. We're but gonna, no, but I uh, think that like it's one of those things like, and you can like, there's no saying you can't. I think it's that expression like shoot for the stars, and if you miss, you land on the moon. That yeah. kind of thing. And you know, you you tell about like twenty years ago stepping on stage, starting your career. Yeah, and you know. Lots has changed, and in, in five years, like, we're going to be doing, you know, Wembley Stadium or, or whatever the case may be, you know, but, and and it is what it is, but for me, I remember being on Instagram, seeing Mike Ryan at Rusted Crust, and then they gave a little description of your accolades and whatnot, like, yeah. 11 Music Nova Scotia Awards, like, <laughs> ECMA, and like, stuff like that, and I remember thinking, like, what? Like, this guy's playing at Rustic Cross, and I had heard of Town Heroes through a mutual friend, actually, believe it or not, at a high school party oh, yeah. uh, around here. And it was Still one got of those, it. <laughs> no, it's that, it's that youth fan base. It's that youth fan base. His, his name was is Ryan. And it was one of those parties, like, you know, 2 a.m., stuff starts to die down. He's like, get into that music conversation. And yeah. he's like, man, have you, have you heard the Town Heroes? And I was like, I'm not familiar with them. Uh, play me something. I'll never forget, he played me Cambridge. He's like, yeah. I've got everything that you... <laughs> I remember thinking, like, this is awesome. This is really awesome. Who is this? And they were like, he was telling me, like, 
his uncle's been to a few shows and he like put them onto it. And then I watched, I like loved that song. So I looked up the Cambridge music video. Kristen's uh, in it. Yeah. I, and that music video where it's like, you're like selling appliances, something like that. Like that's like. Directed yeah. by Dylan Garland. Yeah. That was a blast. Yeah. yeah that I, I loved that. I love that. And that's how I got into, into it. But anyways, I remember seeing that and thinking like, that's, that's wicked. And I was like reading off those, you know, accomplishments that you had. Even for you, like, you're like, well, I thought I would be playing stadiums. But for me, when I saw that, I was like, that guy has accomplished everything that I'm trying to do in my, you know, you know, five year, 10 year plan. And it's like, he's playing 10 minutes down the street. Like, I remember like, dad, we got to go. Like, we have to like, go see that. I remember going and I always did rest crest, even indoors with PA system. Yeah. And to see you, like, it was just you and the guitar just sitting there. I remember, yeah. like, this is awesome. And I, like, remember, like, being upset when, like, people were talking and, like, whatever. And I know, like, people go out to eat their food and, like, that's 100% fine. But, like, I was really trying to be engaged, like, hear the words. I don't know if you'll remember this, but, you know, crowd kind of shuffled out. And uh, it was just my dad and I left. Yeah. And we just... You just played us like a set of... You pulled up the seats. Yeah, yeah, right exactly. We, we took two <laughs> seats from the tables. We sat them right there just to listen. And I was like, okay, this guy is like awesome. And he can write music like really well. And I was like thinking, this is somebody I'd love to be connected with and learn from. And I think you reached out to me because we had gotten on the topic like, oh, I live in Halliburton. And when that, when you said you live in Halliburton... Yeah. I was like, what are the odds of this? Like, this is, it was really a bizarre moment to me. Yeah. Um, but you're like, yeah, come down to, come down to the studio. We'll do some recording. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. And uh, that's kind of how it all started. So long story short, like when you talk about, oh, I thought I'd be doing stadiums. That's like, it's your own relative to what you thought you were going to be doing. But for me, it's like, that guy's accomplished it all. You know what I mean? Like, that's such a, like, you're like a very embedded name in, well, in East Coast culture. I appreciate these words so much and like just that, that connection was pretty cool. Like you said, everyone cleared out and we played some songs and you I you requested some songs yeah. that I had yeah. already played. Like, yeah. I couldn't hear the lyrics and that. I, so. That's exactly <laughs> so. what I was saying. Like I, I remember people talking and be like, I can't quite hear what he's saying. Like melody, you can kind of get an ear for it, but like I want to yeah. hear like the statements that he's making in the music. And the, the thing about music is that there's so many paths you can go down. There's not just one, okay, I'm going to play music, play in these bars and then do this and that. Like there's people who wake up and their job is nine to five to be a songwriter. They don't perform. They're whatever in Nashville on a publishing deal, making 75, 80 grand, maybe a million dollars a year, just mm. writing songs for people. And, they finish a song, never even really think about it again unless it charts and yep. they say, oh, yeah, I wrote that. Um, there's people who never wrote a song in their life and play in a cover band that make a living off that. There's people who only write originals and play in weird, obscure bars where uh, people don't like light turned on, <laughs> you know, like there's so many avenues you can make as a career as a musician. And it takes a while to figure out what your exact path is. And for me, I've, I've discovered like, okay, I have my band, this, my band is 
ultimately my main focus, but I write a shitload of songs mm. and I want to be able to practice them. And why not play a venue like the Rustic Crust where I can get paid and practice my songs at the same time that I just wrote. So there's this balancing act of figuring out what works for you and how you can make money and how you can improve. And like, it's, there's no right or wrong way to do it. And I think that's an amazing thing for you to be 18 and just, just starting your journey here to, to know that the sky is the limit and that if you put the hard work in, things are going to happen. And that is 100% true. I, I, yeah, I, that, I, I think you tell people like, oh, what do you want to do? I want to be a musician. They go, that's not, that's not going to happen because in their minds, musician entails stadium artist like they think of musician they think of major label musicians and it's not until you start looking into it like properly i didn't even know like oh musician is a multi kind of faucetted thing it's like you don't it's it's exactly what you said like you can be in a cover band you're a musician getting paid for it. Like mm-hmm. it What's isn't wrong with that. eh? Exactly. And I think people either, either like kind of see it as stadium artist or starving artist yeah. artist. And, uh, there's so many levels in between. Well, we you know? talk, uh, and pretty much everyone we had on here who was a creative person anyway, is in the, what we call the middle ground artist stage. They're not a starving artist, but they're not a stadium artist. As you say, we're just in our, the middle of our career. Kristen's the same. I'm the same. We're we're making a living, but we're not millionaires kind of thing. Mm. But we create the life we want. We do what we want every day. We're our own boss. And it's different than, yeah, being a teacher or a doctor or any, any job Can, where you yeah. have a, a schedule you go to every day. But the thing that other people don't often understand is that to get anywhere, if you're surviving off your art alone, you have to have incredible discipline and work ethic. Yeah. Because if you don't, you just fall through the cracks. And there's, and there's no one to pick you up. Like it really is so self-dependent. Like coming back to the email conversation, you know, you might play a gig at a restaurant, best gig the restaurant's ever seen. You know, crowds crazy about it. What, whatever the case may be, if you don't follow up to the restaurant and say, "Hi, I played last Friday. Uh, just checking in. Had a blast. I'd love to be playing again in the near future." Like things like that, they'll just let it go by the wayside. Mm-hmm. Like people will not, you know, on occasion, like people will reach out to you. Do you want to play again? But it's very much a self-dependent thing where it's like, no, you have to be persistent. Because you're trying to convince people who have no idea who you are or what you do that, hey, like, you might really like this. But it's one of those things like you hear a song on the radio that you've never heard before. It might be an amazing song, but it's the first time you've heard it. So your bias is, it's okay. It takes that repetition, that that persistence of, oh, I've heard it five times on the radio. Now I like it. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? I think you can kind of apply that kind of uh, glass to everything with music. It really, especially starting out, like I can't stress that enough, like the persistence is key. 
like 100%. Today's episode is sponsored by Forget Me Not Hair Studio. Forget Me Not is a private salon suite with a positive vibe and a safe space to be who you are. Since launching in 2018, owner Stephanie Smiley has been serving women for all of their hair care needs. Forget Me Not carries a wide range of products, including those from Design Me, Verb, and Kenra. Not only is Steph a talented master stylist with 14 years experience, but she also excels in making her clients feel comfortable and confident. With a background in mindfulness training, she encourages people to release limiting beliefs and find joy in their lives through radical self-acceptance. Her entrepreneurial spirit shines as she supports so many local businesses through positive encouragement. She's a perfect example of someone who has followed a dream and achieved success. Follow Steph at Forget Me Not Hair Studio on Instagram and Facebook and book your hair refresh appointment today. Your your clarity and wisdom and courage are just so profound for such a young age. Like I if I don't get another chance to say this today, like I'm just so impressed by your knowledge of even the industry so far. And I think it probably takes a lot of just personal like looking inward and, and just the courage to pursue this, especially knowing that this norm typically is, okay, I graduate high school, I'm going to go to university, I'm going to get this job. There's like a formula to our life that we're taught and any deviation from that is a little harder. And you're just kind of saying like, yep, I, I get it. I see that. I hear you, but I'm going to do it my way because this is what makes me happy and brings me joy. It's a hard thing to do or harder than probably what a lot of your peers are doing even. It's not. I always like tiptoe around the word like like around like it's a, oh this is tough work because it is like well I'm doing something I love so it's like you can work really really hard at something you love but I always keep in mind like someone's out there working really hard at something they hate so it's yeah. like that's the you know, you know what I mean yes, so it's like yeah. okay so yes I'm you know I will do emails for however long and then like five gigs four days multiple gigs a day you know, my voice is strained, not really feeling like turning on the performance, like whatever, but you do it because it's like, but I do love to do this. You know, like there's someone who is, you know, mowing lawns right now, my age doing, you know, landscaping and that's how they make their money. That's fantastic. But they might not, you know, I'm passionate about landscaping, mm -hmm. but they're still working their ass off at it. Yeah. So it's like, that's kind of what I was saying earlier. Like you almost owe that to I don't want to sound like, you know, spiritual, like the universe, but you really owe that to, to, to yourself almost to, to work hard at it. And I think like, you're going back to people my age, like going off to university, it is a really, that's the toughest part. Cause it's like, you see everyone kind of going into the mold of like, get your university degree, get the job. And when you're not doing it, it's very much like, what am I doing? And sometimes like crisis of confidence will come in and you're like, what am I doing? Like, I didn't even apply anywhere. Like, what am I going to do if this doesn't work out? But another Ed Sheeran quote is like, no plan B, no plan B. Because if there is a plan B and you do have that, like, what am I doing? What am I going to do? You just fall back on it. Mm -hmm. I think that really is like human nature. But if you have no plan B, you are forced to go with plan A. 
I think that's a good position to put yourself in. Hey, you don't have the luxury, like you said, to fall back on it. So you have, if you're not making money for a, a bit, you got to figure out, I got to get a gig or I got yeah, to do have something. To. I yeah. have to figure out a way to make money off my music or, and, and I'll, I'll say this now, like with that, with the work ethic that you have, you, you, that's to me, it doesn't even matter how good you are as a musician. You will find the opportunities and the right, the right things will happen. Cause I've encountered hundreds, maybe thousands of people who were exponentially more talented than me and could pick up a guitar and learn a song and how to sing it in just such a short amount of time or whatever it was. But if you're not willing to put in that time, like things won't happen. And oh, you, yeah. you're luckily already really talented too. So you combine that with the hard work, man. And you're, you had the sky is really the limit for you. I appreciate that, man. And another thing, like I find when you do gigs and stuff, like, oh, how old are you? Um, cause I think typically like you're playing songs to an older demographic than, you know, people at Rusta Crust is, is Rusta Crust isn't where, you know, the 15 year olds hang out. It's not yeah. the, you know, the awesome spot, like f for the kids, it's like fantastic pizza place for, you know, an older demographic. So everyone's like, oh, older how demographic like me and Kristen, huh? No, not quite. <laughs> That's I mean, okay. I'm we know. We, we know already. <laughs> but I. On the, the on, the topic of, on the topic of age, uh, people are like, oh, how old are you? And like, oh, I'm 18. And they'll be like, you've got so much time. You've got so much time. And I never understand that because it's like, well, get while the getting's good. Like, like people are like, I'll put on the brakes a bit. Like, you've got so much time. Don't worry about it. It's like, no, no, no. Like, at 18, when there's nothing, there's no overheads, it's like, why would I not? like try to stomp it into the ground you, you know what i mean like yeah this is the time to yes, go for it. this is part of why i was super excited to have you on our podcast too jackson was just seeing that energy in you and that drive and motivation it's not that that necessarily goes away it's that you forget what it's like to be that early on in mm. your in your life and in your career and what that feels like so I know I've gone back to, you know, asking you about how did that make you feel? And and you you spoke about it's kind of neglected sometimes to say, like, well, what makes you happy? But yeah. I think this idea of the emotion behind it is sometimes forgotten. And I was just really curious to hear from your perspective. And I don't want to hone on the fact that you're young and only, oh, he's only 18. And because you're just as professional and uh, talented and established as any anybody else, like, so it doesn't matter in one hand, but it's also, I'm very curious to hear you just talk about and describe such a early stage of this ambition and you're filled with this energy and dream and like people asking you and curious about this. So what, like, how do you answer those questions and, and does it even matter about it being at this stage of your life? It, I'm glad you, you asked the second part to that because like, it never has mattered about how young you are. Because mm. you, like, people that I've looked up to, like, if I think about, and I don't know all the ins and outs of record deals or how to go about, you know, approaching a label or anything like that, especially 
in the streaming era, it's not as straightforward as we'll go to a record label, yeah. give them a demo. It does not quite work like that. I don't think so, at least. Uh, but anyways, all, all these people like Ed Sheeran, Shawn Mendes, Justin Bieber, John Mayer, they were like early 20s when it when it happened for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at 18, like that isn't quite early 20s, but it's the stepping stone to early 20s. And like, I wouldn't, I don't want to be in a position at, you know, 25, still very young to be like, oh, I really should have worked harder Yeah. at 18, 19, 20 rather than slacking off because everyone was like, you've got so much time. It's relative, like time on, on whose hands. Do, do you know what I'm getting at? Totally. It's like, and why, I, I just like, I don't know. I think like it's not as glorified as it should be to work hard. Like I think you should love working hard, you know? Um especially like I said before if it's something you love to do, you've got to and I don't know. I I just it's not ever a time dependent thing for me. It's just this is where I am right now. I'd like to be here in a year, work for it. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I think know. there's there's a lot of talk nowadays, especially about burnout and uh, mental health challenges. And I'm I'm sure if we don't have it ourselves, we certainly know somebody that's struggling with this and we're on the heels of a pandemic and all of these things. But you said earlier that, you know, there's people that work hard doing things that they don't love to do. And yeah. I think I think part of this epidemic we're in, mental health epidemic especially, is a result of that. Yeah. And and if only we could give ourselves permission or more have more support to pursue the life that we wanted even if it's outside of this so-called formula or box that seems to work. Yeah, I you're hitting the nail on the head for me. Like I I have conversations with friends who are going to university and uh they'll laugh when they hear this cuz they I told them I was doing this like we got to listen, we got to listen. Uh <laughs> You know, and like, let's say we'll be driving like, oh, what, what, like, they'll be telling me their plans. Like, I'm like, what, well, what makes you happy? Like, what do you really enjoy doing? And then they'll preface it well with, well, I just want to be comfortable and be able to afford a a nice living. And and that's fantastic. Those are all, you know, admirable goals, but they always preface it. Well, if I could do my dream job, why? What what do you mean? If I could do my dream job. Mm do do the dream job you know cuz i you know you're not going to end up starving go to university get your degree you're probably going to be relatively comfortable with what you do uh but in 10 20 years if you're like man i really i really wanted to be a painter or i really wanted to be a musician or i really wanted to be a dj whatever the case is like that's when it actually hurts like that's when it stings like cuz now you're 45, 50, 55, and you're like, there's no starting then, in my opinion. I, I, I don't know. Maybe you're never too old to start, but you've, you've definitely closed a lot of windows rather than just like, because the fear of, I'll, I'll never be able to do my dream job, so why even start? Like, I've never understood that mentality. Yeah, it's, a, it's such a great perspective to have, and I, I'm so happy for you that you see that now. Uh is what do you think has given you that clarity or permission and not others? I swear 
I swear I'm not an Ed Sheeran fanboy. I love the man. I love the man. <laughs> but uh, I, I really credit it to, to him. Like, I got engaged with his music. And he's one of these artists that also works really hard. And because he does, like, a bunch of media stuff. So a ton of interviews. Like, you can find them all over the internet. And he's got this ethos of just, like, you've got to do what you love. You've got to do what you love. Why would you not do what you love? And I remember like watching that and like properly reflecting on it, giving it some thought. And it was like, yeah, why would I not do what I love? And maybe that's not music. Maybe it, it can be whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, I, I trying to, I'm trying to choose my words carefully to avoid the cliches, but life is really short, really short. You talk about being on stage 20 years ago with that first band you played with. And I'm sure, like, it feels like time has passed, but on on the one hand, but on the other, it's like, that wasn't that long ago. Well, I remember being the young band, and then all of a sudden not being the young band, you know? Like, it's, it it goes really quick, and I think there's a balance, like, like I'm a big advocate for working your ass off, going hmm. hard in the paint, what what do you love to do? The (laughs) basketball. Yeah. But, um... You got in that process, you do have to enjoy what's happening around you or, or it never really sinks in. If you're always just, and I'm still trying to figure this out myself. And I think Kristen, I think a lot of people are like, if you're always trying to set higher goals, if you're always trying to figure out what's next, okay, I did this, but I also want to do this. And that's kind of a mentality that comes with a lot of successful people, but you do really have to sit back and enjoy your successes along the way. I I can I completely agree with that. I feel like when I look at what you two have accomplished, like I was saying earlier, we got on the topic of like how do you sustain yourself with your art? Like you got like I feel like for you guys, you sit here, do the podcast, you do gigs, you paint. And for you two it's like this is how life has been for the past however many years. And so it's very, like, I get the energy, like, oh, it's a nonchalant, like, you know, this is this our life. But for me, it's like, you two are living the dream. Like, you are living what I dream to one day, how I dream to be living. Like, you wake up in the morning, roof over your head, nice place, a vehicle to drive, you know, a nice studio, because you're a musician, because you're a painter. And I, like, I, just to remind not that you two need reminding of it but like that is like a dream like do you, do you understand like i know like <laughs> we do need reminding uh, yeah. of it really i th- I think thank you it's I, it's beautiful to hear like that observation but i i think it's something that it's important to and and you too like and, and like what mike's saying it's really about mindfulness and and being present in those moments because it's so easy to to aspire to these higher mm. achievements and that's great we sh- we should be aspiring for higher things but not at the detriment of enjoying the accomplishment that you're having at that time and I, I we've probably talked about this on the podcast before Mike but I always go back to the example of you playing uh the Metro Center Scotiabank Center they call it now and like Mike telling me the story how early on in his days like playing this stadium essentially would have been like such a pinnacle moment but at the time in his career when that actually happened, 
it sort of felt like, well, yeah, this should be happening at this stage. Right. But isn't it like, okay, so like, I don't have it to that extreme one. I had no idea you had done that. That's awesome. Well, it's, it's a, we had our, a song played there kind of thing. Well, yeah. 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 But still, <laughs> For the sake of the story, no, this but, is... But even so, like, even then, like, you preface it, well... Just a song in the Scotia Bank Center. Yeah. It's like, yeah, Jesus, that's if a I, huge if, ass if deal. I, yeah, if we, you know, record Jealous yeah. and they play it in Scotia Bank Center, yeah, I'm getting FaceTime Mike Ryan right now. Like, this is crazy, <laughs> man. Like, yeah. let's have, let's have some champagne. Like that. Yeah. That's a massive thing. But it's just what is relative to you. Like I remember when I first started busking, it was such a mystery. As like, how do you even get a gig? You know, because everyone's like, oh, you should really be doing gigs. How do I email? Do I call up like owners of restaurants? Do I do managers? I had no idea till you do open mics. And then you do, you kind of run the open mic circuit for a bit. And then you end up getting gigs that are like not bad. They're definitely like cut your teeth gigs, like learn, learn what you're doing. Um, and then, you know, played somewhere like really nice, like rustic crust or birch and anchor. And it's all relative to what you've done before. And I remember driving to Birch and Anchor and thinking like, wow, like this is going to be my first Birch and Anchor gig. Like that was such a milestone for me. Like, cause it's a, you know, really nice place. And the same goes for Rustic Crust. And I just remember thinking, this is a really big moment. I should really take this in. But then you do it 15 times, you know, six months go by. Now, you know, oh, what are you doing tonight, Jackson? Uh, Giga Birch and Anchor. Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't really reflect like, oh, yeah, I get to go to Birch and Anchor and someone's going to pay me to sing. And when you really, when I break it down like that, like, it's worth repeating. Like, someone is going to pay you money <gasps> that you can use to sing. I would have been singing for from six to nine in my bedroom regardless. Now someone wants to give me money, sweet. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just like, yeah. when you think about it like that, it's, it's really, it's kind of, it's unbelievable. And you can't let, you can't let it be relative sometimes. Like your song gets played in Metro Center. I just remembered. Also, I did play there twice too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Like halftime at uh, the AUS basketball championships. Like I did play there twice. Um, yeah that's see that's what i mean but when you like <laughs> this is what i'm saying like oh i did play there oh twice that's like you're like how did you forget that <laughs> yeah no seriously because like i'd have that in my i'd have that in my bedroom i'd have photos of that like that'd be everywhere but it's like it really is like what you've accomplished and like i just yeah i don't know i think i'm sure it's just that's just a passage of time like you get kind of conditioned into oh yeah this is this is life yeah and i think that's just natural yeah it's not a bad thing necessarily it's just part of evolving and growing and yeah you you do something 15 times it feels different than the first time yeah of course of course i think i think a lot of this comes down to being grateful for for the things that we have and there's a lot of talk in the world about uh, having a gratitude practice and i don't know some Big studies have come out that show that that is something that really helps our mental health. And the what you're talking about, like, actually has a term. Uh, hedonic adaptation is a natural human thing where 
whatever you get a brand new car like oh my god this is the best car in the world i love this mm. so much and you drive it for a month and you're like i want a better car like it's like yeah that is ha- and that's applicable to all aspects of our life but being grateful and waking up every day and just thinking of the things that you have that you you, you know you're lucky to like that actually changes things in your brain yeah uh, 100% could i what was the term what was the hedonic adaptation hedonic adaptation like so i that's the first time hearing about it like yeah. properly like phrased uh but i think that happens like regardless of if it's experiences like you know your first high school party by 12 grade 12 it's like you know high school party yeah. your first car uh, it's just a you know whatever with not to go too hippie here but like i feel like to cancel that out, it's like, to, that should never happen with people. You know what I mean? If you've got like close, close friends, you know, or family, it's like, you see them every single day, it's just as good as the last day. Like you don't like, oh, I'm tired of hanging out with my sister. Mm-hmm. I'm over it. It doesn't work like that with people. And that's the thing that like, I think keeps people going, you know? Because if, it, if it's all so materialistic, you just doesn't matter how much you have like eventually one day it'll be this is just how life is and you take it maybe subconsciously for granted but you can't really i find you don't nobody really does that with people that they love well and both of you as entertainers have the opportunity to maintain that sense of uh newness or connection mm. with your community and your audience because well, you're humans interacting with humans, you know, to riff on where you're taking this. But it's it's a unique career in that there aren't a lot of jobs that it's it's part of your job to create a human connection. Yeah. And you can do that through your stage presence, through your lyrics. I mean, Mike, you've had people reach out to you who you've never met that know nothing really about you or your life, but there was a particular song lyric that resonated with them to a point that it saved them from a hard time or inspired yeah. them to make a big change in your life. Like that's a lot of power to hold. That it, I can't speak on on that, like from a personal standpoint. Uh, but I think that's one of the best things about music, and that's why going way back to when we first started this conversation, you asked me about how music felt. Mm-hmm. Like, how, what did it, how did it make me feel? I was only on to music from the 60s, 70s, you know, mid-80s, stuff like that. And I'm not ragging on modern music at all. Nothing wrong with it. But I think you'd either be lying or a bit uneducated about all types of music if you were to say that, you know, music from the 60s, 70s, and like I said, mid, early to mid 80s had a type of soul to it that was just like, oh, that actually does save lives. Mm-hmm. Like, it, even if it's like, even if it's not a lyrical thing, like the music and like L- Tiny Dancer, Elton John, that that is so profound. That's so beautiful. You know, Blue Jean Baby, LA Lady, a seamstress for the band. If I heard that on the radio today from, you know, a modern artist, it'd just be like, pull over and listen to it. Mm -hmm. Because you don't really get that kind of depth to it, that visualization. And I I think think that 
growing up with only that around because they my parents weren't really into the 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 new you know they're they're both a bit on the older side for my age which i love because i think they're i get that influence yeah um so when when i saw you at the the rustic cross you played three eagle songs yeah yeah like the first first little bit like that is amazing he's 18 and he's playing these classic songs that probably a lot of your generation has never even heard yeah and that's so because it yeah i don't know i think it started off like this is the music that i want to play is like take it to the limit the eagles stuff like that um and that was just what i wanted to play and then you find like you do these restaurants or pubs or bars or whatever in you know nova scotia and the demographic is 35 to 70 you know like less 70 but you know around that that kind of age range and it just so happened like the music that i really wanted to play like that's the music of of that their day and age you know mm-hmm. and so then they're responding to it and it's like i love this even more that i'm get to play this type of music i worry often about developing a younger fan base because that's one thing that I just don't have for me going. Yeah, but but you haven't released any of your that, original yeah, stuff that, that, yet. Right? That is a different story, and that's one of those things like that I'm really like interested to talk about. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm glad we're going here because I yeah. want to ask you about your original songwriting as well. And when you're when you're creating your own style, I imagine it's kind of taking shape at this mm-hmm. point. Do you have kind of a a mission statement in mind or like this is what this is the audience i want to speak to or perhaps uh you know like some some artists want to make a political statement some artists want to uh unite people or create a particular energy like do you have something specific in mind that's you want to achieve through it i feel like i would love to sit here and and like heartfelt, yes, like this has always been like what I want to what I want to achieve through my original music. This is the sound of this sonic, you know, project, whatever. But the truth is like it's just day by day, like I it's very much autobiographical. Mm-hmm. Um I don't understand writing songs that aren't from the heart to some degree, even if it's like a song about a friend, which maybe isn't autobiographical, but you still have that connection to it. I, c- I couldn't imagine truth to it. Yeah, the truth to it, exactly. Um, when I started writing out like COVID times, uh, or yeah, before COVID, but then COVID kind of hit and then I like got kicked in a gear because there was nothing else to do. I wasn't in school or gigging. And I was like on this, like, okay, I'm just going to do between two and three songs a day. Just, and it doesn't matter what comes out, just write, just write, write, write. And I found like, okay, well, I do two songs a day for a week. End of a week, 14 new songs. And if 13 are horrendous, but one is good, you've got one good song a week, you know, four good songs a month, you know, eight good songs every two months. That's an EP's length. There you go. You know, and I think that that's all it ever was for me. Like, I don't. I'm not super 
opinion based about politics or anything in that world, but I am about, I think, morals, you know, and I think definitely love and, and human connection. So that's probably where, where it comes from mm. for me. Um, and definitely your own experiences. Like I said, I couldn't, I don't understand how people write a song about something they've never experienced, you know? And you're, again, you're getting going in this world and the more things, the more shows you play, the more experiences you have in life, the more they just creep into your songs, right? Like, yeah, my songs, like I, uh, most of my songs I couldn't have written unless particular things happened. And, yeah. and so with time and with knowledge and with learning a new finger picking style and with mm. all these things, they shape the songs as they come into, as they come to life in that moment. So I think, and we've talked about this on here before too, but I think a very important thing about being an artist in general is just living a life where you put yourself out there and have these experiences come into your life. Yeah. I, the, the only thing that comes to mind when you talk about that is like, Oh, cause I was reflecting on what I, what I just said. And then you said, yeah, there's so many songs I wouldn't have been able to write unless I'd gone through it. Like I think about like love songs and like before being in a relationship, you like, you still can have, like definitely love someone so you write a love song but i remember being in a relationship and writing songs from that you know in that vein whole different it's it's really is like there's so much to to draw from and you know you try to avoid the clichés but they definitely creep in when they do um but you know and then you you go through a breakup and you that's a whole new vein of you know uh emotion to pull from and you just i just really don't think you can write a convincing love song or breakup song or rebellious song or whatever, unless you've really truly like felt that way at some point, like, and you know, you felt it, you know, like yeah. a breakup. What a great thing to happen to a songwriter. That's what everybody <laughs> says, you know, cause it's just, it's, you know, the songs are endless about that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's definitely true. Like after a certain bit of time passes and you experience all these things, you can lean into things from the past mm. as long as you felt it, I think. Like, and yeah. some people, like, whatever, just read a lot of books and watched a lot of shows and, you know, had interesting conversations with people and they just combine all these things in their mind to create probably some great things. Like, I'm sure there are people out there who do it. I know I, that's not how I create. Like, I, I am the same as you. Like, okay, I've got a... And I, I write better in highly emotional states too, like not necessarily good or bad, but like after feeling something, like I find like I'm better to capture yes. an idea in that moment. In, in those highly emotive states, did you say, or after the fact? Well, it, within a close time period, for yes. sure. Not, not yeah. the highest, like if I just, well, whatever. Of, uh, yeah. yeah. Someone died or something, I'm not just going to, give me Pick a pen up. and paper. Yeah, like, exactly. Uh, maybe though, but um, yeah, yeah, it's more like whatever, watching this, I could write a song better watching a sunset uh, than just sitting in here. I, you know? Yeah, I completely agree. And I'm really glad we're getting on to the topic of like 
what goes into songwriting uh because like it is a strike while the iron is hot mentality so like i completely understand like well somebody just died where's my guitar like i I understand that mentality behind it because like and i don't think that's a oh somebody's dead let me capitalize on on this Mm -hmm. but it's more of like you're not rubbing your hands oh here we go here we go uh but i but it is a coping mechanism yeah and if you if that's how you express yourself what better way than to to write a song about it and i think like moving back to when you were talking about influence and like having to live through things like i think that applies not only lyrically but sonically like what you hear like i remember and this is interesting when i first came here i was like you were giving me a rundown of like what you do and how you produce music and what your like ins and outs blah 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 and you were like, would you like to hear any of the work that I've done? I was like, sure. Yeah. I don't, I really don't want to butcher this. So I think it was George Woodhouse, Joel yeah. Woodhouse, George, George, George yeah. Woodhouse. And it, nothing was released at the time off yeah. the album yeah. that you played me. And you played me, um, Lost Soul Rodeo. Yeah. And at the time I, I didn't know, I hadn't remembered. Yes. That album. This is the one that I just got this from George a few weeks ago. Fresh off the press. And I remember hearing the, like, drums and the bum 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 bum, like yeah. that kind of guitar or not guitar, but it's some instrument. It's on in the, the keys, intro. Yeah, yeah, really pretty. And I remember thinking like, that's awesome. Like, full band sound. Like, there's some bass in that. There's drums. And then we did our recording. And I had kind of forgotten about it until I s- listened to him on this podcast. And you were talking about yeah. how you guys met, and he was like, I think best man at the wedding or or something about the greeter. Greeter at, our at wedding, the wedding. Yeah. That's what it was. And. uh he, uh, he, I was like, oh yeah, I got to check out this album. Like it's out now. I completely forgot yeah. like, oh, this is actually like, he played this to me like months ago. Yeah. So I went on Apple music and I listened to it. Uh, and I came across like a few really good songs and there was one that was, um, again, I don't want to butcher it, but it was like love something and physics, physics, physics and love, physics and love. And yeah. I thought, how do you write? something like that like what an interesting you know view i think that's of the george's world. superpower right he takes yeah. these really obscure topics and, and makes these beautiful songs from them even the word physics in a song, in a song it's yeah. like if you i am like with no I, w- I can't even lie like if you were to tell me like if you used to come in and be like yo i've got an idea for a song physics and love I'd have some reservations. <laughs> I don't know, man. But I listened to it and I didn't, I got lucky. I had it on, I was in the shower and I had it on the album just going down the track list. And it came on. So I didn't know it was called Physics and Love until, you know, chorus and then it was done. And I remember getting out like, what was that physics song? Because it's so gripping. It's so like, I've never, I really truly like, that's the one thing that's always impressive. Like, I've never heard a song written like that. Uh, or from that point of view and when you hear things like that on the topic of like what you're influenced by I think it opens you up to like oh yeah I can write a song called Physics and Love mm-hmm. you know and especially if it's really good like that song is like I think that's a it's just really important to be influenced by other things you know well, well I think one of the biggest parts of being a creative person or in this case, being a musician is to listen to as much music as you can mm. because you hear something like that 
and like a word that maybe you never would have used, it ultimately gives you permission to be able to do that yourself. Yeah. And I found as a musician and as a writer, almost more so like reading a certain style of writing where whatever they don't, uh, there's no uh, paragraphs. It's just one big uh, blob or something. Right. And or no quotes. Like or yeah. Speaking. Yeah, there, there's just lots of things like, mm-hmm. oh, I didn't know you could do that, but mm-hmm. they're amazing at it and it flows so well. Or yeah, just there's just so many things you can come across within a piece of work that are ultimately little bits of, or they're ultimately permission slips to say, oh, you can do that too. You're allowed to take your creativity in this direction as well. Yeah. You don't have to copy this, but it also can be part of what you do in a little bit of a song or a little bit it, of your writing. Like It's so important. It's so important like to have people like, oh yeah, they can do it. I can do it. And yeah. I, I kind of apply that to um, Taylor Swift, oddly enough. And like, she has like, you know, this massive pop, youth following and she puts out an album like lover i think it was and it does well and you know everybody loves it whatever and then i think the next year surprise album acoustic with bonnie Vare, folklore what yeah what no no big promo day no nothing no no release week just surprise album here's folklore acoustic songs from the heart and it's like oh yeah Taylor Swift gets to do that. It's like, and look at the pressure that's on her about appealing to what my audience wants. Mm -hmm. You know, do they want a driving piano ballad with Bonnie Vare called Exile about the strains of a falling relationship, whatever. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. I'm Taylor Swift. I'm putting it out anyways. Mm -hmm. If she can do it at that level of success, it's like, what is holding anyone back from doing what she did that because she wanted to exactly it's like the label's definitely not going yeah that's your next smash and as it turned out this is kind of the beauty in it it becomes a you know grammy nominated album massive streaming debut like because it is real like a level of there's so much authenticity to it you know i think that's super important when you sit to write a song i'm curious about because i've observed Mike writing music and for him from what I can tell at least it's often just starting from nothing and like Mm. picking up a guitar and like okay this sounds good maybe these lyrics would go along with it or jotting down a sentence or two and maybe six months from that point the song is finished do you have a process that's kind of start to finish or what does that look like for you um it's rather loose but there are some things that I that are 100% do's and 100% don'ts um the first being a do is finish the song. Mm-hmm. Like if you are sitting down to write a song, you might not finish it in that uh, one sitting or even in the, in the day, but like you've got to finish a song. Like don't just leave it up to interpretation, even if it's like, and this is the biggest reason why you do. And I, this is again, this isn't just an Ed Sheeran thing. I think this is just a, songwriting type of uh, advice that I've heard uh, definitely around and it's when you start writing a song you're like well this isn't that good it's not really going anywhere so I'll start on a new one but you've not learned why it's not good 
you've not learned why it's not going to go anywhere. Like you, you should finish it in in its entirety, in all its horrible glory mm-hmm. and, and let it ruminate with you. Like, what do you not like about it? Well, the melody's bland. Okay. Well now, you know, cause you finished it. So write another one that isn't as bland, you know, mm-hmm. but if you don't put the time in to finish it and like work hard at it and be committed to it, it's not, you're not really going to learn from it rather than just writing a verse then a pre-chorus and you're like, uh, I'm not even going to write the chorus because the verse and the pre-chorus are weak. That's a big no-no for, for me. Like, I feel like I've got to finish it. And also I don't, I find it difficult to write with, you might, I, I'm interested to know if you find this, you find it difficult to write with like a down, down, up, down strum pattern, like something that's very like basic on, on the guitar. Like I find like finger picking to write to 10 times, uh, I don't want to say easier, but definitely more intricate. Like you can be more intricate with the details. I don't know if you find that, but it really can't just be a G, E minor, D, C. Those chords are fantastic. Those are the chords I you end up using, but it can't just be wagon wheel type of beat. Does that does that make sense? Like, well, I guess it depends what your go to. You you probably worked on finger picking a yeah. lot then if you're if you're comfortable to write a song with finger picking then that's probably one of your go-to styles you try to create songs with i guess for sure i think i think it depends on what you're comfortable what what do you want to ultimately perform the song as yeah um and i de- i i started off as playing like electric guitar like rock songs so um i never really did much finger picking until later and more recently really so i i think it's just what you go to what you're more comfortable with or you might want to experiment like okay i want to write a song where i'm finger picking and it's and it's or rock song or whatever funny you say that because there will be times when it's like if you fall into the trap of like okay i'm gonna do this travis picking thing over a c and an f all your songs start to sound like you know shitty bob dylan wrote them you know so it's like let me break the mold even if it's something as simple as like okay get the cape off the second fret move it way up or or take it off completely and use bar chords like little tiny things like that it might be the same chords musically you know if you play a g d e whatever with a cape on sixth fret then take it off to Whatever the variable might be, you might be playing the same notes, but a different, you know, bar different, chord. Different it, colors of the chord. Exactly. And the writing's completely different, I find. Mm. Like, that's just from my own experience with it, but it's it, like, it really does change up, like, how you voice an idea for but a song. I, th- I think that comes down again to how it makes you feel. Yeah. Because, yeah. again, finger picking versus strumming gives a different feel to how it is so that might just change your minds without you thinking of it it changes your mind's interpretation of what should be said during that you know like it's so many little things will be happening inside our brains that we're unaware of that's okay when i finger pick this it my brain is like oh that reminds you off when you're uh kid out in the deck and your parents were listening to the grateful dead you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so uh these things just kind of creep in uh in our subconscious mind i guess yeah 
Do you write other things? You like writing short stories or poems? Like when I first started out with writing, I had no idea what I was doing, and to some degree, I still don't. Uh, there's no real like method to it, um, and so I did start off by just writing words down, like just writing. I guess it would be like poetry, but I always knew in the back of my head, like, well, one day I'd like to put music to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just found over time, like, those were never the ones that did it for me because it felt almost forced. It was like, if you're going to sit there and write something from the heart with no music, that is the piece that it should be. You know, like sometimes yeah. you can, like Elton John was famous, like he didn't write the words. That was Ernie, I believe his name was. And Elton John just put the music to it type of thing and the melody over the words. I was never really able to do that, like take a set of words and put music to it. It's more of like a, it's just like fumbling around in the dark, like, you know, pick a cut a chord and maybe you hum to something. And again, to avoid cliche, it all kind of falls into place. Like, do you, you know what I mean? Like, it really isn't. For me, it's never been a planned out thing. Like, I want to say this in the second verse. It's just like, what comes out, comes out. And I think like a ton of songwriters, you you hear like, oh, how'd you write this smash hit or this fantastic song? Like, it just fell out of the sky. Like, it was so, it was so quick. And like, that really is the truth with songs that you think are good relative to what you've written. Uh, It's just a very natural thing. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not a drawn out process. And I think if it was, I wouldn't get much done with it. Right. Cause it, you'd, I'd be too worried about like, well, that sounds stupid here or it needs to be here. It, it kind of should just be uh, like, again, it's all very like from my own experience because I feel like everyone writes some somewhat differently. Sure. Should just be a natural flowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thing. It sounds very organic for you. Yeah. 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 And I, I think a good thing is that to realize is the, don't have to treat two, any two songs the same. Mm-hmm. Like they can come about in different ways. Like you have your, like you said, your do's and your don'ts, which you're going to follow, but you, every song can come about in a different way. One yes. may, one may fall from the sky, like you said, and one may take two years for it to fully come to, you might have, to, you're thinking of the right line or the melody's not right, but you, come across it after a long time that yeah i'm really glad you spoke about that because like on the topic of like i do finish a song but when you're like oh melody's right but something's off but it comes to you six months later that's an interesting feeling isn't it yeah just just don't throw anything out you know keep never keep keep the voice memos keep whatever around Mm. like and if it's if it's worth becoming something real or something complete that you may end up releasing, it will rise to the forefront of your mind Mm. and you'll just be walking along and it will, it will come to you. Like I've had a song recently. I had a very brief concept and, uh, or I had a course, which I didn't really know what it meant. Like, I, it came to me and I, I wrote it down. I'm like, oh, this sounds really cool. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. And then recently it just, the song was always like at least a couple times a week, I'd be thinking of the lines. Cool. And, and then it just came to me and I 
I played it the day I finished. I essentially wrote it that in one day, but <laughs> it was two years apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, I played it. I had a show that night and uh, it was kind of a similar situation. It was at the end of the night. A lot of people were leaving and this small group came up close. And I'm like, do you care if I wrote a, or play a song that I wrote today? Yeah. Like, sure. So I played it and they just, they loved it. Yeah. And they're like, you wrote that today? I'm like, well, kind of today, but also <laughs> two years. Uh, so I think just don't, the good songs will keep you'll you'll or the th- things that you think are good will keep happening in your head. You know, like mm. if you have a melody line, like that's gonna keep floating in your head till you make something out of it. Yeah, for for me, I use like strictly on the on like speaking on melody. Yeah. Um, I use like the mom test, and that's like, <sighs> you know, it takes like let's say between like an hour like 30 minutes to three hours three and a half hours four hours who knows to like write a song on average and uh you know by the end of three hours of like going over it and like practicing it if my mom is in the hallway like something she hasn't heard before because it's newly written she's like whistling to it or like (laughs) kind of mindlessly it's really not a conscious thing effort by her like just and I don't speak about it to her because I don't want to lose that. She'll listen to no, this. And uh, we, I, uh, we can we erase can this <laughs> The mom test. But this it, is brilliant. It, it's like, you know, if she's vacuuming, right? Or cleaning the kitchen <laughs> or doing whatever. And I hear her. Is she humming the chorus right now? Perfect. It's good. Like, because mm-hmm. it, it, to me, it's like, okay. She's heard it a few times. It's new to me. It's new to her. But she can pick up on enough to kind of mindlessly yeah. hum it, then I, I feel like those are typically songs that I pay attention to, you know? They're the, you know what an earworm is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're sending the earworms off to your mom. and uh... Jealous was like the prime example. Yeah. Like the pinnacle of, of that. I remember I didn't like Jealous at all when I first wrote it because I didn't set out to that was one of the only songs that wasn't really true to me there was no one specifically making me jealous but I remember setting out one day this was in the in the kind of COVID phase of my songwriting so just hammer out as many songs as you can so uh, uh, this song just came around like I'd like to write something that is like the catchiest song I've written thus far with no thought worry about words or anything just like let me just do a complete practice in melody crafting and so then jealous came out and the words just you know fell into it but the the idea of like jealous i didn't say like i'm jealous like let me write a song about it it just was one of those things that the words just fit with it you know and that was one of those songs that and because i wrote it that way i had my own bias about it so i was like well i'm not gonna play that because it means nothing to me Mm -hmm. but she would always like what's that song that you're always playing in your room blah 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 (laughs) so i just started playing it live and then like i found it would go over well as like a a first song of of originals and then i just always knew like okay i really want to record that and then it just came around the time of meeting you and i was like i remember we were speaking about what what should we record how should we do it i was like Let's do jealous. Let's try it. Um, I'm so glad we did because, like, I love where it 
I love where it's at right now, and I can't wait for Bruce to put some uh, yeah, man. put some drums on that. It's gonna come to life. I'm I'm excited for people to to hear it because again, you're playing, you're doing the perfect thing right now. You're playing at all these spots where you're you're developing your skill set. You're learning how to engage with an audience. Like you're doing all all the 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 things you should be doing. But once you put out original music, like that will open new doors, new avenues for you. And I'm super excited to see where that goes because the sky truly is the limit for you. And I'm damn excited to be on this a little small little part of this journey with you, just tracking this song. And uh yeah, the the stars really uh aligned for us to be living in the same place know, here, you know, a like, lot of it's it's really like I'm not a like you know super religious person or super spiritual based person. I kind of just take it day by day. Yeah. But I always like when things like that happen. Like I just can't. I really can't help but wonder. Like wow. Like that is really you know really bizarre. Like it really was as simple as like I'm at a party, and that should be an accomplishment of in and of itself. Like <laughs> like you really do have high school kids from Bayview or whatever like at a party like you know the town heroes like that's pretty cool that's that's pretty yeah, cool that's good yeah uh and she's at a party like i said and shows it to me two weeks later three weeks later whatever the case is there you are on instagram i know that look at that that's awesome he's done this he's done that wow oh he's at rust crust what we go there oh you're in the neighborhood is this very like i don't know it's it's bizarre. It's bizarre, yeah. but it's very very nice. Felt like we had to work on something. Exactly. Yeah, it was like this line. is the stars of a line. Like this is this is awesome. And now we're here in our little studio. We're really are honored to have you, though, man. It, it, it's it's inspiring to to hear you talk and just feel your energy and just I know good things are gonna happen. Yeah, it feels very serendipitous to have you in our life, Jackson, and. You're always welcome here. We're I know that we're just kind of getting to know you, but you're just such an articulate guy and Thank talented you. and humble and we're lucky to to have you as a guest on our podcast, but just a friend and uh we're here for anything that we might be able to help with. But I, I truly feel like you're the one giving us inspiration and great advice and life perspective. So Thank you for your time today and sharing your your truth. And and thank you guys. Like I I really like when I I no word of a lie when you guys kicked this podcast off. I don't remember. I don't know who the first guest was. I don't think it was, it definitely wasn't George. It was I don't remember who, but I think we're like what is this episode like twenty one? This would be yeah yeah. So. Um, and I remember seeing you guys post about it. And we had already recorded some stuff, I yeah. believe, when you were like in the process of making this come come to life. And I remember thinking, like, literally, like daydreaming, like, oh, how cool to be! Like, I wonder if, like, if we're gonna record music, I can put it out. Like, I wonder, like, would he like? Would he ever ask me, like, come on the podcast and talk <laughs> about it? And I remember thinking, like, no, no. And I remember, like, I'm not even gonna bring that up. I'm not even gonna bring that up to him. Uh, and then. It was at Rustic Crust, and I didn't bring it up. I think you did. You're like, do you want to come on the podcast? And I remember thinking, like, of course, I'd love to be on the podcast, but I've got nothing to talk about. And you're like, oh, no, yeah. that that is what you talk about. Like, it's the 
the almost kind of naive naivety of it. Like you're 18, don't really know what you're doing. Like that's a good point of view or not. That's an interesting point of view mm. for people to, you know, listen to. When I thought about that more, it's like I could talk about that for, for days. Yeah, I can truly say like you're one of the people I have been most excited to sit down sweet, and talk to. Sweet, sweet. And I, that, that, that means the world. Like, yeah. and this is my first kind of wrestle with any kind of podcast, like interview type of thing. And I've always been interested to speak about yeah. like the music and, and whatever. And I, it's just a pleasure. It's just an well, absolute pleasure. I feel like there's going to be a lot more coming your way, buddy. Sweet. Like you just, sweet. Yeah, brace yourself, my just friend. Keep, keep doing what you're doing, you know, just, Keep that hard work vibe going. Write as many songs as you can, and and do what you're already doing. Like ask ask people for advice and just what what they're doing. Like we were taught, you were asking earlier about uh, how do you reach out to people. Well, we'll talk about that. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, so yeah, just do what you're doing, man. And uh, yeah, it's an honor having you here. We're uh, yeah. It's 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 a super cool episode for sure. Yeah, I mean, this is like, go ahead. Are you? He's just pointing and winking at me because he likes to point and wink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. This is definitely something that, like, I'll be giving to my friends. I'll be sh- like showing, like, go check this out. Yeah. Like, and I'm I'm like, I'm really excited. I'm just, yeah. So before we just uh, say our goodbyes, Jackson, let everybody know where they can find your music, find you. Where would you like for them to look you up? So unfortunately, no original music yet on any kind of streaming platform. It is coming. It is coming. Michael and I are doing some recording hopefully soon here. And uh, But as of right now, I'm just on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok uh, as just Jackson Weldon. So... There I am. There There he is. Well, you're in for a treat, folks. Give uh, Jackson a follow. Find his music. Uh, We're coming at you in Halliburton Hills. (laughs) The home of all of us in this room right now. That's cool. That's cool. Thanks so much for listening, folks, and uh, stay tuned for more episodes. Cheers.